Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's good to, to be here once again. And it was so nice to hear some old hymns. Um, probably you chose that because you have an old school preacher today. Older people giving the announcements. So, but uh, the message of the Lord uh, remains to be uh, true to each and every one of us. And it is my prayer that as we look to thy word today, that each and every one of us will not just be hearers of thy word, but we are we're doers of it. So let's just bow down our heads and let us ask God to, to help us to focus and to really meditate upon his word as it is being preached to us this morning. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you once again for a beautiful day, a day wherein your people are gathered, um, worshiping you, O God, uh, with our voices, um, with our thanksgiving, our offering. And Lord, um, I pray that as we are here today, um, your name will be glorified, Father God. And I pray that as we look to thy word once again, um, that you will enable us not just to be hearers of it, but we're doers of it, Father. Lord, I ask you that you will be with me once again as I bring forth thy message, that you would take away the fear and just give me boldness and courage and help me to speak truth, O oh God. Speak uh, words not of my own, but Father, from the Spirit uh, who enables me uh, to teach your people, to edify your people. So Lord, uh, for those who's also watching online, that Father, they will be equally blessed also, and they would learn something. We praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Now, when I say the word model, what comes to your, to your head? What comes to your mind? Probably, um, for some of us, or even for all of us, we will think of men and women modeling clothes, modeling shoes, or some other product. Maybe we think of young men, young women walking down a runway, showing off the clothes that a designer has created and wants to expose to others who will want those clothes and buy, buy them. Maybe we think of some good-looking men and women modeling, helping to model, to sell, to help sell perfume, thinking that if you use those perfume, you will look like them. Well, Probably we also think, if we would remember, right, there's a, a TV show, I don't know if it's still going on, there was a TV show called America's Next Top Model. I don't know if there was an Australian version of it, right, that has people who think it's women who compete to be a model for clothes and other, and other products. But I don't know if each and every one of us here this morning have ever thought about being a model. 
But I know one thing I know for sure, brothers and sisters in Christ, that Jesus wants believers in him to model the Christian faith. So today, we are going to talk about that in the message. Of course, I've entitled, No, If You're a Model of the Christian Life. I was thinking to title it, uh, to title it CCMA's Next Top Model, but that sounds hilarious, right? But I want us to see that today. And in our text that we'll be looking today, Paul calls the Thessalonian church a model to others, right? We can see that in verse 7. So let me ask you the question, are you a model of the Christian life to begin with? I want you to think about it. Are you a model of the Christian life? And it is an important question to ask and answer. And if we are a model, how do we model it? How do we live out the Christian life well? And let's see if we can answer those questions today as we turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And of course, the beginning of this chapter, this letter, just a bit of, of, of background, this letter is a very similar form to most of Paul's other letters. He begins with salutations where he identifies himself as the author, who here we see along with Timothy and Silas, who is identified here by his Latin name, Silvanus. He then gives his familiar greetings of grace, grace and peace. And we would know that the rest, of, the rest of the first chapter contains the commendation to the church in Thessalonica. They are making a tremendous impact for the gospel in the entire Macedonian region. And Paul tells us why they are doing that. Now here, this is just here I, how, is how I would summarize Paul's teaching, if I would. Churches make an impact for the gospel when the testimony of the lips is backed up by the testimony of their lives. And since churches are made up of people, that means that for a church to make an impact for the gospel, it needs to be what? It needs to be full of people who are testifying to the gospel with both their lips and their lives, both their lips and their lives. Now, let me ask you again the first question as we move forward. The first question we want to answer is, how do you know if you are a model of the Christian life? And that's what I entitled this message. Now, let's look, look at what Paul says here in verse 4. In verse 4, he says here, For we know the brothers loved by God that he has chosen you. Now, Paul is telling the Thessalonians that they have been chosen by God. Now, there is a, a doctrine or there is a teaching in Christianity known as election. Now, the doctrine of election. Now, what election means is that God has chosen people based on no merit or anything at all that they have done to save them, completely as an act of His love and, and grace. 
Now, I want us to understand that clearly. God didn't choose you because you are nice, because you are good, or for any other thing from each and every one of us. He didn't even choose you because you responded to the call of God. God chose you and me simply as an act of His grace. Now, in saying that, this becomes difficult for some because they question why we even evangelize people if God has already chosen those who will be saved, right? I've heard that people say that. This is also sometimes difficult for people to understand because the Bible also seems to indicate that salvation is subject to man receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. The very familiar verse, John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know that verse. And also John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Yet to all who receive Him, to those who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. And Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you remember that verse, it says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So how do we reconcile this? How do we reconcile the fact that Scripture seems to teach that salvation is completely an act of God's sovereignty, act of God's grace apart from anything we do, and we have done, and the teaching that scripture that, in Scripture that says you need to believe and receive Jesus Christ as Savior as an act of your faith. In fact, in fact if you would go to, to Kurong, the Christian bookstore, so many books have been written about this subject over the centuries, and I would say it's still not completely understood by so many of us. Right? But I think, but I think that is part of the point. God created us as limited beings with limited abilities to understand some things. In fact, Scripture says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So in reconciling in this in our mind, part of what we need to know is that we won't completely reconcile how God operates and what He can do. What we need to understand is that salvation is completely a work of God. And Jesus says in, in John 6, verse 44, no one can, can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Unless the Father who sent me draws him. So look what Paul says in verse 4. We know, we know God has chosen you. How does he know? Verse 5, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. This is interesting. 
So we are able to know if we are, if we are chosen. This is what I see here in Scripture. So this is very interesting. We are able to know that we are chosen. So I want to ask each and every one of you this morning, including myself, are you chosen? Have you been chosen to be saved and be a model to others of living the Christian life? How do we know if God has chosen you to, mod- to model the Christian faith? And I would say, church, we know the same way that Paul knew the Thessalonians were chosen. The gospel, it says here, came to them, and they believed it. So we can know we are chosen by simply asking ourselves some questions. Have you believed the gospel? Have you received the gift of salvation? by believing in Jesus Christ for your salvation. If you have, then you are, to use the biblical term, one of the elect. If you answer those those questions that you are. You see, Jesus, when talking about the end time, says in Mark chapter 13, verse 20, if the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. So the elect are those that are chosen, but we can know if we are one of the elect by by, by, by believing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, trusting in him for our own salvation. I hope, I know it's hard, but it's a bit clear for us to understand I think the argument of Paul here is very clear. If we believe, if we accept, then we know that we are chosen. Now, earlier, we said the difficulty in reconciling God's choosing in the doctrine of election is that they do not see a need for sharing their faith with others. So if God chooses people, then those who are chosen will hear about it without me telling them. Goes that kind of, that kind of thinking. Am I right? But we fail to understand that God in His complete sovereignty has ordained for people to come to Him through other people sharing the good news of Christ with them. In fact, Paul asked rhetorically those questions in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. If you remember that verse, he says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And it's beautiful, brothers and sisters in Christ. He not only is willing to go out and preach the message, Paul is willing to endure the suffering to do this for the elect, for those who are chosen. In fact, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, it says here, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal 
glory. He endures everything. He suffers. He sacrifices. Why? Because he has his eyes on the eternal salvation and glory of those who will receive Jesus, Jesus Christ. Truly believing the gospel of Jesus is the first evidence that you can turn to know that you have been chosen. That you are in the doctrine of election, you are one of the elect. But there is another question you can ask that goes hand in hand with what true belief in the gospel, with a true belief in the gospel. And the question is, has the gospel affected your life? Right? Believe, and has the gospel affected your life? Paul says that the gospel came to them not simply with words. It says here, but, but also with power and the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. First Thessalonians, Thessalonians chapter 1, verse, it's verse 5 here. They, their lives were different than they were before. They lived differently. These Thessalonians were no longer simply living for their own pleasures. Which leaves us so empty, but they were living for the Lord. And they were experiencing joy, verse 6, in doing it. The last part of verse 6, with joy, they welcome. With joy given by the Holy by the Holy Spirit. You see, the gospel changes people. It changes us internally. It changes us externally in the way we think, the way we act, the way the way we live. Which leads me to ask us this question, including myself: Have you believed the gospel, and has your life changed as a result? Would other people be able to see the changes that have taken place, especially those people who are close to you? Especially those people who knows you, the ins and outs of your, of your life. Would others see you as an example, a model of how to live the Christian life? Now maybe, you have believed the gospel. Let me put it this way. And your life has changed due to that belief. You think differently, you're acting differently, but as for being a model, you just, you just aren't sure that you're the best model of the Christian faith. In fact, when I was chatting with one of the, the brethren here of how I would title the message, he says, well, unfortunately, I wouldn't be one if I entitled the CCMA's next top model. And that's how we think, oh, it's, it, 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 will, it will not be me. Perhaps, I would also even say that, because perhaps that is just because you have not yet learned how to be that model. Maybe you are a newer Christian, or, or you have not yet learned how to live out your, your faith. And I want to look at the rest of Thessalonians Thessalonian passage that we have today and see how Paul indicates that the, that the Thessalonians learned to the models of the Christian life. That they 
were so that we might also learn from, from them. I hope we can learn from, from the church of Thessalonica here. Now, just a quick one. Paul talks about four things that this church are doing that are great things to model for others. They are not only things to do to be a model, but these are a great place to begin with right? for, for anyone, for any of us here. First, we see that you model the Christian life, verse 6a, by, by, I would say by following your, your, your leaders. First Thessalonians 1, 6a, it says here, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. So the, the Thessalonians were following the example of Paul, Silas, and Timothy, the teachers, the overseers who founded the church. By the way, Acts 17, if you could do, if we'd go back to Acts 17, that's where, uh, that's where the, the, the Thessalonian church started. Now let me repeat it. In verse, uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, 6a, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. It says there, this church following Paul, Silas, Timothy, the teachers and the overseers. That's why I said following your, your leaders. You see, we, I say that because we live in, an, in a society where people are very cautious. We're very cautious about whom they trust enough to follow. And we should be cautious. I'm not saying it's wrong. We should be cautious. We see lots of, of occult leaders and other people who would lie and man manipulate people for their own benefit. And they're not the kind of leaders that we want to follow, that we want to put in, in the church also. Well, then the question is, how do you determine who to follow? And I would say, follow those who follow Christ. This is what the Thessalonians were doing. Paul told the Corinthian church also to do the same thing. If you would remember, he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Maybe we ask the question, how do we know if someone is following the example of Christ? And this is why we need to know the Word of God. It is there that we see how the leaders of the church should conduct themselves to know if they are following Christ. You see, the Scripture gives a lot of qualifications for, for elders and deacons. We know that. But most of those qualifications are character qualifications. We read that, right? Qualification that God wants all to acquire, not just the leaders. So as we look through the qualifications of the leaders of the church, we can know not only how God has called the leaders of the church to conduct themselves, but also what He wants each person, you and me, to strive for as they model, as we model the Christian life character qualities that we should follow in our leaders are things such as faithfulness, self-control, hospitality, gentleness, love for others, humility, living in such a way to be a model for others. 
In fact, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2 and 3, it says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your, your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those, it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. See, when I was still pastoring this church in serving with men who serve as elders and deacons with me, I have no problem encouraging you to follow us, to follow your leaders. As they follow Christ so that you can continue in growing so you can model the Christian life of others. You have great leaders here. Following your leaders. Secondly, first, quickly, First Thessalonians 1, 6, 4. It says here, uh, 6, 7. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcome the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit, and so you become a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. So finding joy in suffering, that's another thing also. These Thessalonians believe the truth of the message the apostles preach. And what did they do? They decided to follow and believe the message not only in their minds, but also in the way they live their life in spite of suffering that they would, they would endure. In fact, as what I've said, if we want to, to, to really understand where this church started, we, we, we go to Acts chapter 17, and there's a person there named Jason dragged before city, city officials. His name was dragged at the founding of the church in Thessalonica. It's said there that Jason and others in the church were dragged before the official and had to post bond to be released. So they suffered. Believing in Jesus was costing them physically. Believing in Jesus was costing them monetarily. But they chose to believe and live and walk in Christ anyway. In spite of that difficulty, in spite of that suffering, they had joy. So how do you find joy in suffering? Suffering is not joyful in itself. And I would say we could find joy if we build on the foundation of the first and the second coming of, of, of Christ. Building our lives on the foundation of the first coming of Jesus with the good news and the second coming of Jesus in glory is essential if we are going to find joy in making hard decisions to live for Jesus, even if it may cause us to suffer. Looking forward to, to eternity. And this, this, this book speaks about that also. Acts 5, verses 40 and 42. They, Jewish leaders, called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. That was the story there, and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had not been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for, for the name. They knew that everyone who sought to live a godly life would suffer persecution. They knew it. 
And the, these apostles could rejoice that they were suffering and fulfilling the will of God and people's eternities were being changed. And I would say that this is so foreign to many people today, but for, 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 for the Jews in the olden times, they knew that they would suffer. suffer, they would be suffering. But in modern day Christian, this is so foreign for us today. Suffer for Jesus? We, 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 can, we can take that. So often, not only we don't want to suffer, we don't even want to be uncomfortable, isn't it? Now, my, I, I speak from, from experience on this. There are times that I am afraid of sharing my faith with other people for fear of what they think of me. Okay, there is Kent again, that religious knot. But church, obviously we need discernment in how to share the gospel in ways that we don't come across as offensive. But we need to recognize that people are not always going to like what we have to say, and it may challenge what they have thought in the past. But this is where we have to keep our focus on the fact that Jesus is coming back. And there are people who don't know him. And these people who don't know him are facing Christless eternity. And as Christians, we care about their eternity. I care about eternity. I care about what Christ thinks of me more than what people think of me. I really do. But if that is not in the front of my mind, then I will act in ways that sometimes indicate that I care more about what others say or what other th people think of me. That's, that, that is why we have got to live with a view to the future constantly, the future constantly. We have to remember and remind ourselves that Jesus is coming back and it could be at any moment. Are we ready? Are we going to be doing His will when He comes? And this, I would say, that is what is going to help us when we are suffering from our uncomfortable, that we know that we are doing what Christ wants in sharing the good news with others and taking uncomfortable steps of faith in our own life. And that is when we can have joy in the midst of suffering and persecution and even in an uncomfortable situation. Keep focused on Christ's return and we would be able to model for others joy in the midst of suffering. Because if the world is suffering, the Christians also are showing the suffering that they are faced, so we, we, we can't if we're not showing the joy, especially in this difficult, difficult life. Now, a third thing that Paul says the Thessalonians were doing that was an example to others 
was they were serving, serving God. First Thessalonians uh, 1, 8, 9. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, the living and true God. The Thessalonians turned away from their idol worship to serve and worship the living and true God. So scripture says here, they turned away from what they used to practice and how they used to live to serve. Or could be translated to become a slave to the one true God. And I would say that this is how effective they were at modeling the Christian life. Other people were testifying about how they completely changed direction and live life in service to the Lord. For those of us who are Christians, including myself, I want to ask, would other people be able to report how we are serving the Lord wholeheartedly and turning from idols that we use to worship? The idols of money, the idols of self, the idols of, of feelings. Or are we still a slave to those idols? Still are slaves? Or are we serving the true and living God, trusting Him in all things? Now, this is hard because if you have been a Christian for any length of time, you have probably, you have probably faced times of being supercharged for the Lord and you had really turned from those things and were serving wholeheartedly to the point where others could have reported this about you. And then there are other times when you feel burnt out and you're not serving the Lord like you once did. And it seems that some of those old idols are starting to creep in back into, back into your life. Two things to realize about this. First, this is not uncommon in the Christian life. We are going to face ups and downs, but the key is not to stay down. That, that, that is where Satan wants to keep us. Now, I remember very clearly the founder of House of Hope and the, help, and the Helping Hand, Brother Robert Hill, he said that to the brothers going through the program of House of Hope. You might fall down, but don't keep on staying down where you are. Because that is where Satan wants to keep us. There are legitimate times that we need to back off of our outward service to rest, but we cannot stay there forever. We need to rest, be re-energized, and step up again and serve. Secondly, realize that this letter is to the church as as a whole, okay? It was the church as a whole where it was apparent to others that they had turned from idols to, to God. This is why we need to be using our gifts in the unity of being a body. We are more effective together 
than us individuals. And when we serve together, carry the load together, we can endure longer and not get burnt out. And I think a lot of you can, can, can really connect with this, right? It is when we are serving alone or feel we are alone or there is not enough health that we get burnt, burnt out. Is it true? So I want to encourage each of you to serve God in the area that he's laying on your hearts as part of the body to his glory so you can be great models to your kids and others about um, living the Christian life. Well, those are hard things to do sometimes that Paul has indicated that the Thessalonians were, were doing. Following the example of the leaders, finding joy in the midst of suffering, serving God. It's not easy. How in the world can we do these things effectively and be a model for others? It is by the power of the Holy Spirit and by this last thing that Paul commends the Thessalonians for. Waiting patiently for Jesus' return from verse 9b to 10. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead who rescues us from the coming wrath. It was their focus on the Lord's coming back that enabled them and energized them to do actually, to, to do the work for the Lord and even finding joy in suffering because they were so focused and waiting for the Lord. And they wanted to be found faithful. Are you focused on the Lord? Are you anticipating his return? And I would say, really, each and every one of you, you will be the next top model of Christianity. If we learn here from the Thessalonian church, we need to keep this in our minds as we wait for him. Focus on the Lord. Anticipate this return. Now we ask the worship team to come up. Uh, I think the singing, or we're going to close this morning by singing the song, Mighty to Save, another old song, which recognizes that God is the one who saves, and that as we surrender our lives to him, he shines his light through us to help others see his love and compassion. And as the worship team sing this song, make this your prayer as you sing and glorify him. Mighty to save. May the Lord bless us. Please stand and join me.
everyone needs compassion. And everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Shine your light. Shine your light and let the whole 
ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you for um, the decision that you help us to make um, regarding the calling of our senior pastor, uh, Pastor Joshua. Father, we just pray that um, during this time of the process of application, that you help all the hands that are doing that. I would just pray that you bless them uh, so that this process can be smooth and can be um, fast enough and would um, we'll get Pastor Joshua to come at the time that is designed by you, um, together with the immigration uh, of the granting of the visa. We just pray that um, we'll be patient and we'll uphold all the decisions in terms of timing to you, Lord. Also pray for the leaders of our church. Um, we thank you for the remaining of the, the deacons that um, they are able to continue to serve, as well as those who have left, uh, they will also continue to serve you in different positions in order to help this church to continue to function, uh, to continue to be the place that where we can come and worship you to know more about you, Lord. Also, thank you for the building, uh, the proposal that has been approved. Uh, we know that uh, it is a blessing that this church, uh, this premise that we can have, uh, that we can utilize and we can uh, make use of it for, uh, to expand your kingdom. Not just the physical kingdom, but also the spiritual kingdom, Lord. Also pray for the, um, the deacons uh, meeting that's coming up uh, next week. We just pray that uh, for all the deacons that will have a sensitive ears to, to hear about the insight of what's coming ahead 
of us so that we can help plan uh, to benefit our church. And also pray for the EGM that is coming up. Lord, we just pray that for, um, even though there is uh, a legalis legalism, uh, but we know that uh, this is to help us to govern our church uh, so that our church can be in order. And we just pray for all the members that they will have the burden to understand, to take time to understand our leadership structure so that we can continue to, um, to function. And we also have an order um, orderly way so that we can lead the church in the direction that is um, according to you, Lord. We just uphold all this to you, Father, and pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's continue in prayer with the Lord's Prayer. Let's bow our heads again. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Just sing one last song. May we face the week in the weeks ahead, knowing that God is alive. God sent His Son, they called Him Jesus, He came to love, heal and forgive, He lived and died to buy my pardon and empty grave is there to prove my savior lives sing that with us because he lives i can face tomorrow because he lives oh fear is gone because i know
our Sunday service. I hope you guys have a good week. Uh, please help us back up the chairs. Have a good Sunday.